When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Argyle Chat. We have been hoping to have Ryan Lowe as our special guest this week, but unfortunately Ryan couldn't make it. We hope to have him on the show next week instead. So it's to the tried and trusted front two of Chris Errington and Jack Ball to reflect on Saturday's superb 2-1 win over Bradford City. Hiya chaps. Hello. Hello Stu. Um, Jack's promised to do his best Ryan Lowe impression yeah. for us, Stu. So, um, and I've been giving him some tips of how to speak <laughs> Scouse. So, Jack, I, no, I cannot do the stage is all yours. <laughs> I would not like to embarrass myself more than I already have working here at times, <laughs> doing random, mainly on the fantasy football podcast when we did that. So, no, I think that's better for everyone if I give that a miss. All right, okay. All right, so, we're not, not going to get away with it. We'll I, did see, I did see Ryan after the game on Saturday, and um, yeah, you can't make it this week, but we're, we're very hopeful and confident we'll be able to arrange it soon so um, we'll let you all know and it'll be one of those where we'd like to get as many questions as possible yeah. from you the listeners that we can relay to our uh, to Ryan so rather than us asking him our questions um, it'd be great to get as much feedback from you as possible but like I say we'll keep everyone posted won't we absolutely we will and I know a lot of people have sent in questions already which yep. of course we're very grateful for and mm-hmm. I will keep those to one side and uh Set them back for Ryan next week. Hopefully next week, if yeah, all goes indeed. according to plan, yeah. No doubt he's a very happy man after Saturday's result, though. Yes, yeah, I mean, it's November's turned out to be a good month for Argyle. If you think that not long ago, they, they lost to Exeter at the end of October, and I'm sure we spoke on the podcast, didn't we, Stu, about September, and they got Bolton mm. away, Forest Green away, Bradford coming up. And you think, crikey, that's a tough run of games uh, that they're, they're faced with, and they've won all three of them. And I, I thought on Saturday, Jack, uh, against Bradford, apart from perhaps, what, the first 15, 20 minutes of the second half, they played pretty well, didn't they? I think in the first half, Argyle were by far the better team. They were playing some nice, attractive football. Um, you know, before the Forest Green game, the managers have both been saying it'll be a great game, two good attacking teams, and it ended up being quite scrappy. But I think this lived up to the pre, pre-game hype of some attractive football in the first half. It's always a relief when you, your team can get an early goal. Argyle did that in five minutes, and the second one wasn't that much much later. Um, so that was that was great. And yeah, Chris is right. In the second half, as you would expect from a team of Bradford, who are doing very well in the League Two, um, came out and were the better team, I'd say, for the first 15, 20 minutes. But then Argyle, so considered a goal, then Argyle got back on top um, and looked most like getting a third goal, I'd say, toward, towards the end of the game. Um, and they saw it out, but you're, Chris is quite right three wins out of Bolton, Forest Green and Bradford I don't think anyone could have predicted that or and we would have probably taken six, four, six points out of that so to get nine is sensational Absolutely although the first game was an FA Cup game Can we start again now? <laughs> yeah. We take your point though Jack three, three fantastic wins, wins. Yeah. yeah and Chris is right we did speak about that after the Exeter mm. game and yeah you know, just how difficult those games were going to be. So, um, as you say, three wins, perfect response from that derby game. It, it is. Um, it's amazing. You get a little bit of momentum, a bit of confidence. 
I think, you know, without dwelling on the ex exit the game too long, I, I can tell that Ryan Lowe doesn't really want to sort of go down this conversational path with the reporters, but you can't help but say to him, well, you know, eight, last eight league games, four wins, three draws, one glaring, obvious blip, call it what you will. And it does make you wonder that perhaps Argyle's mindset that day wasn't where it should have been to take on Exeter in a big Devon derby. But, you know, draw a line under it, move on. What is impressive is that the, I, I remember at St James's Park after the game, the, the Argyle players got some fearful stick mm. from the fans mm. after the game. They were not happy, and rightly so. And it's one of those that could have been a tipping point in the season. You know, the players could have, you know, could have caved in, could have crumbled after that. But fair play to them. They've come back. They've got a point to prove. And bar one, you know, unfortunate own goal that Noel Canavan conceded on Saturday. Defensively, they're, they're so much better. The, the defence that let four goals in against Exeter, and it could have been six, seven, whatever you want that day, to then have the sort of defensive record they have had in recent games against you know, two of the top teams in, in League Two, um, you know, is, is, is testament to the work they've been obviously been doing on the training man. So yeah, big steps, but you know, like we Stu and I were saying earlier today, you know, this League Two division is just so, so unpredictable, unpredictable, isn't it? Again, you look at results this weekend, you look at what's going on. Uh, who's gonna end up in the top three at come the end of the season? I I honestly haven't got a clue. It's, it's funny as well, after we spoke last week that Argyle, every game Argyle have won has been with a clean sheet, but on Saturday, yes. yeah. it's the first game they've won this season when they've conceded a goal. <laughs> and again, it's just another sign that, that the character, I think, is quite good of the team at the moment. You know, And Chris is right, they got a lot of stick after that Exeter, Exeter game, but they've shown a lot of characters to come back. And the best way to do your talking as a player is on the pitch. Mm -hmm. and, and they've done that. And for me, one of the reasons they've done that is I think Josh Grant, who got quite a lot of stick, has done well in that defensive midfield position. They kept the same back back for you and it's paying dividends I think you've got to give Ryan Lowe credit as well you know I mean as you say there was an awful lot of things said after that Exeter game he's obviously worked on some things on the training ground one of those key things being putting Josh Grant into midfield and they, they seem to really it seems to have you know almost shored that leaky mm. defence up to an extent it's, it's made a big difference and Joe Edwards has gone to right wing back and has, has, has done well there and flourished there and scored on Saturday against Bradford Bradford you know, the, the goal, if, if you recall, was Joe Edwards closing down the goalkeeper, so actually right wing-back, the, the furthest player up the pitch in the centre of the penalty area, closing down the Bradford goalkeeper. And then, having done that, he's then made himself, uh, got himself into a position where he, he could receive the first pass from Joel Grant to then go on and score. And um, you look at... Callum McFadden's got five goals this season as a wing-back. Joe Edwards has got three goals as a wing-back this season. And that's the sort of Ryan, Ryan Lowe way, isn't it? The, the wing-backs have scored more goals than the strikers have this season. And what I also, sorry, I was say, what I also look at the moment is they're mixing it up a bit more in terms of not playing out yes. in the back every single Definitely. time. You know, before they were doing that every single time Palmer got the ball, it was rolled out to Wooten, it was rolled out to Canavan, they would pass it to Joe Edwards, undoubtedly then he'd be pressurised, he would then pass it back. And that's still happening occasionally, but it's not every time, so they're becoming less predictable. And I think that's another reason why they've improved. And that's obviously something that Ryan Lowe's now change in his, in his planning something else we spoke about earlier was um, the fact that the goals are being shared about mm. you know we keep talking about 20 goal a season strikers and even Ryan Lowe's been talking yeah. about that himself yeah. but if you share the goals around amongst the team you don't really don't need one and Jack you made the point to me earlier on that our goal of 
never really done well when they've had that 20 goal a season striker Definitely same more, in recent years uh, same recent years I mean I, I don't know how, how if you go much further back but Ruben Reid for two successive seasons scored 20 plus goals and Argyle didn't get promoted mm-hmm. I think if you can have a team that share the goals it must be harder for the opposition to mark because you're marking one person and someone else has got the ability to score goals and We've spoken about Anthony Sarsovic having a good season, which I know we'll speak more about in a bit, but I think part of the reason of that is because people are marking Mare so, so much. So he's had more time, space, and he's just as capable as mm. McFadden on the wing, Riley, and the strikers. So I, I, it must be hard for an opposition manager because they don't just have one key man. They're all chipping in, and that's what you need. Yeah. Well, speaking of Sarsovic, then, um, again, I asked you when we came into work today, Jack, you know, who stood out for you? And you just said Sarsovic again. You just feel he's playing the best. He's... he's Arguably played since joining Argyle? Yeah, consistently I'd say so. You know, he's shown in glimpses what he can do. Um, but this season, to be keeping out George Cooper at the moment, which he is, who we all know how talented George Cooper is. He's come in and was, through Chris's ratings, player of the month for October. October, yep. And he's keeping him out, and rightly so at the moment. You know, and if Danny Mayer was to get injured for a week or something again and George Cooper came in, then at the moment, Sassett would be keeping Cooper, uh, Mayer out as well. He, he's done fantastically. Um, he's... He's always he's, he did okay last season, but he's getting forward much better now. He's having he's having that ability to run forward, and he's striking the ball at goal more often. And I know Derek Adams always wanting to try and score more goals, and whether that's this is because of Ryan Lowe, the style of football it is working and it's suiting his game. And yeah, I'd say this is the best he's been since we signed him. I think it's an interesting point you make about um, playing with Danny Mayer, and maybe teams are doubling up on Danny Mayer to create that space for Sarsovic. You know, and that's that's the key to it. If there is a player that's going to get double marked you've got to find that space elsewhere and Argyle seems to be doing that with Sarsovic and he seems to be really thriving at the moment and that happened on Saturday didn't it Chris when mm. Mayer got the ball quite a few times and every time he took a shot he got blocked mm. he doesn't get hardly any space in the whole game and it must be frustrating for him mm. but the fact he's got teammates that can make up for that is, is, is great well the thing is other teams have now got to look at that and think well hang mm. on a minute if we double up on him then Sarsovic is going to do this to us so. yeah if you've got wing backs who are scoring goals reasonably consistently and you've got Sarsovic pop, popping up with goals at some point in time, you're going to have to take your focus away from Danny Mayer because you've got to try and stop the other people as well. So that's where Danny Mayer's maybe, you know, he's got one goal this season, which I think we all expected he'd have more goals and more assists. Mm-hmm. But he is still contributing to the team success because he is taking up valuable opposition resources and, and freeing up. Um, his teammates, you know, Sarsavet, I think, has been really good in, in the player ratings that we do. He was the runner-up to Will Ameson in September. He was the runner-up to George Cooper, as Jack said, in October. And then he's won the November ones. We've already done the November ones because our goal's next game is December the 1st. So I think, you know, consistently this season, he's, he's had a high level of performance. And it was interesting talking to him after the Forest Green Rovers game when he scored the winning goal. And... Uh, you can tell he is a man, a man on a mission to get Argyle back promoted. You know he was part of the the squad that was relegated, and you know without going over old ground, it was a needless relegation last season. And he clearly feels a, a responsibility to do all he can to get back Argyle back up uh, into League One. And I think his performances are, are showing that he's he's very motivated at the moment. He's got everything you want as well. He's got the attacking flair, but he's got the grit and he's got the he can he can put a tackle in, he can run around a lot. And he had a shot on Saturday as well that looked like it was going in and it just didn't. And that, that again shows the confidence. You know, Joel Grant was getting a lot of goals in a spell early in the season. Every sort of shot he had seemed to go go in and Sarsovic is having some wonderful strikes at goal at the moment. So 
he's just a joy to watch. And it's, and it's great for the fans to see someone with that much passion that flows through him, and, it, and it's great. Yeah. Uh, Dazza Drew noted that the Argyle defenders didn't win many headers on Saturday against uh, smaller players than them. He's asking, do Argyle need a taller centre-back that will dominate aerial battles? Um, James Vaughan played up front for Bradford. He's you know, played in the Premier League. He's a decent decent striker. Uh, he was their main outlet. I, I wouldn't have said it was too much of a problem as far as I, I was concerned. Do Argyle need a, a centre-back in the January transfer window? Yes, I would say so. Um, you've got five who can play in those positions at the moment, but Josh Grant is making a pretty good case to, to be staying in the midfield holding role. Will Amson is out of favour at the moment, um, but I still think one more centre-back would, uh, would be a good, good thing to have. So I, I would expect Ryan Lowe to, to try and address that in January. Air really, you know, Neil, Neil Canavan is, is pretty strong in the air. He did have a, a poor spell of form in September. Um, that sort of coincided with um, his sort of diagnosis of diabetes and whether the things weren't quite right off the pitch um, for him or not, you know, um, not quite sure. Defensively, they have done well in recent games. There's still room for improvement. Um, do they need a taller centre-back? I think they've got enough height maybe a bit more pace would be um, be useful. Because if you look at, say, Scott Wooten, Niall Canavan, Gary Sawyer, Jack, none of them are, are quick, are they? Oh, yeah, you're right. I would definitely put pace over height. I think you are right. I think defensively, in recent games, Canavan has been good, actually, at clearing the ball when it's coming to the box. I, I, I've got to be honest, I didn't notice that on Saturday. Maybe, maybe Daz is right. It's not something I took from the game. Um, but we all thought Will, Will Ameson would be that sort of that yeah. sort of player. But as Chris mm. said, he's fallen out of favour at the moment. For me, and I've said this before, where they lack airily is, is from set pieces. That's what what Argyle are missing in my in my view, because quite often with set pieces, it, it's it's rebounded away and, and, and that's it. And again, we thought Will Ameson would be that person. He proved when he was in the team that he he can have that aerial threat. But at the moment, you can't change any of the, the back five because they're doing a superb job. Yeah, it's interesting what Dazza says because mm. you don't know if that's a tactic. Uh, Ryan Lowe said he might have said you know let him win the header just step, step off him and mm. deal with it when the ball's on the floor yeah so we... Th- there are examples where you almost are, are prepared to let a striker win the ball but then you go and win that yeah. sec- you go and win that second ball um, yeah like I say I think a bit more pace a, a bit more of a pacier mobile central defender would be a useful asset to have um, but how easy will that be to, to bring in in January I don't know you could be looking down the, the loan route from a Premier League or Championship club. Somebody like Zach Liner. Um, I've just done the Argyle team of the decade um, update for centre-backs this morning and, and I've included Zach Liner. And he, he didn't play many games for Argyle, but the games he did, he played to a very high standard alongside Sonny Bradley in a team that nearly got in the League One playoffs. And his strength was that Bradley was the big tall man that would go and win the headers and be really physical and Viner had that bit of pace and mobility that he could sweep around the other centre back and, uh, and and tidy things up so if you could find somebody like Zach Viner was in that season uh, that would just give you that little bit um, more flexibility in defence I think but, um, but fair play to the defenders that are there now because mm. with a, obviously there's still a month to go anything can happen before the transfer window but you know perhaps a month ago we would have said that any of them could be cha- being have the chance of being moved on possibly yeah. but they're all making a case for staying now and 
it's testament to their character because they've all gone through some very tough times from last season conceding 80 whatever it was goals in League One so mm. not starting mm. this season particularly well but they're now suddenly keep keeping good results against top teams and keeping themselves in recognition well, I was going to say after the, the Devon Derby game of course we had Andy Bacon on the podcast didn't we and he, he was quite vocal mm. in saying he just didn't feel that the defenders were good enough and to be honest the stats back that yeah, up absolutely so. yeah they did, they did. So, I mean you Anyone who saw that that guy, you couldn't couldn't argue with it. It was yeah. it was awful. But uh, they've obviously done quite a bit of work on the training grounds. Jack's right. There's a, a slightly different ethos about the team in terms of they don't play out from the back all the time. They are going, I would say, long as such. But there is more emphasis on getting the ball forward a bit quicker. I mm. would say, and and that does seem to be having an effect. And sometimes in football and in sport and all sorts of things, sometimes you need something to go almost like horribly wrong to, to realise yeah. that things need to change and a, a bit of a wake-up call I suppose you'd say and, and hopefully when we get to the end of the season um, we'll look back on, on Exeter and say well that was bad at the time and you know that no one's ever going to forget it but perhaps in the long run that served Argyle well rather than just carrying on as they were and being a bit up and a bit down but that will only be proved come next April and May won't it and also you know no defence is perfect you know our goals goals conceded isn't as bad as a lot of teams in and around the playoffs as well you know there are some exceptionally good defences don't concede many goals but there's a lot to do as well I think if you ask any manager they'll say the same thing and that is that they learn a hell of a lot more from a defeat than they do from victory as long as you don't lose too many games yeah (laughs) yeah. another another question we had sent in was from uh, Leo Riley he finds the pre-match music too depressing (laughs) why can't they play stuff to pump the fans up Jack what was being played pre-match I went to the pub before and watched the football, so I didn't get in. I didn't get in the ground until about quarter. Until like he, he's doing ago. the real fan experience. Yeah, yeah. Stu. What times you get in on match day? Well, I was watching Spurs and went and parked on the road, so I probably got in about twenty to three. Yeah. So, Did you notice know anything, Chris, with the music? Um, some of it is quite stirring in a sort of operatic sort of. Well, I was going to say the, the um, run-out music is the mm. um, obviously the same thing that we Sem- have for the podcast, isn't it? Yes, it is. Semper Fidelis. You know, I, I'm assuming that Lee means in the sort of the twenty thirty minutes yeah. before kickoff building, and there are some clubs that do put quite an emphasis on playing some sort of up tempo sort of music that can get people sort of you know moving their feet, get you know, but get almost get the fans warming up before the game starts, like a little warm-up for the fans. Um, what I would suggest to Lee is, is contact the club, Andrew Parkinson at the Chief Executive. I know that he and people at the club are, are trying to improve the match day experience. They've done lots of changes at Argyle. Um, you look at the concourses, look at, look at all the TVs that are around in the concourses. There's the family fun zone outside the uh, Devonport end now, which I think will become bigger when the grandstand is open. I think they are trying to make things more, you know, user-friendly, get people there at the ground earlier so they're not like Jack watching the football in the pub at 22. They might be able to come and do that in the concourses at Argyle and things like that and spend their money at the club. Um, so if, if, if Lee feels that, I would suggest um, contacting Andrew at Argyle and um, I'm sure they'd value the feedback from the fans. Um, there's, there's an annual survey that's done regularly uh, in coordination with the Argyle Fans Trust. So I think Argyle are, are open to listening to people about the match day experience. So I'd say that to Lee and anyone. Um, contact the club and 
see what uh, see what they come up with. What I, what I would say I noticed in my twenty minutes before the game kicked off <laughs> is actually the sound was the best it's been. I don't know if they've got new speakers or something, but the sound I've been very critical actually of the sound in the Mayflower end. I'm talking Mayflower end, I'm talking about the Lindhurst end because half the time I can't hear what's going on. I can hear the music, okay, but when people speak, I can't hear it. Mm. On Saturday. It was much better. I, I, I will check this because I'm pretty sure there was a new system or it was different. Yeah. I walked into the ground about quarter to one, one o'clock. And um, for, for some reason, I turned the, the volume right up and it was almost like ear splittingly loud. And it, it felt like there must be a new system. I, I'm hoping to see um, Argyle's head of operations, John, back this week. And that was one of the things mm. I was going to ask him was, it, was that a new system or an upgraded system? Because... It did sound different to me. Because so, before, um, you know, when they do the half-time bit, I could never hear what they're saying. But I, I could, before the game, I could hear the, who was in the team, and it, and it was great. And it, it's, I've, like I said, I've been a heavy criticizer, criticizer of that, so I'm glad we're getting sorted. <laughs> Critic. Um, I know there's some clubs that actually ask fans and say, you know, what songs do you want played pre-match? Mm. And then they compile their pre-match playlist. playlist. Yeah. So maybe our goal could do something like uh, that. Absolutely. Like, like I say, I think it'd be worth contacting, if, if you know, like Lee or yeah. people have got... I think... Andrew Parkinson, one of the reasons he's Argyle's chief executive is to improve the match day experience at Hog Park. Not just in the, in the grandstand in terms of the corporate hospitality that they're going to be providing, but the whole experience for the fans. So I would, I would recommend, I uh, hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but I would recommend <laughs> contacting him. and will be bombarded um, with emails now. <laughs> I'll tell you what I did like that Argyle did a few years ago, is, is they had a different player would play their music before each game yeah. in the, the programme. Mm. used to have their, their mm. tracks that they like, and I quite like that, because you yeah, get to know a quirky. bit of the person behind the player, and yeah, I quite like that, so maybe that's yeah. the thing they could bring back. What I would say, don't go down the route of Buckland. Do you remember that, Chris, in pre-season? Oh, yes. I do remember that. <laughs> You'll have to share this story. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, let, let's say that it's the song choice, choice wasn't, wasn't fit oh. for a family audience. I think there's lots of um, rap and Drake and all this sort of stuff. And it was rather offensive yeah, to say that. We were showing our age that day, weren't we, Chris? We were. We were. I think we, it was our sort of, we were both glad our sons weren't there that day. Absolutely, we, we might yeah. have had a bit of explaining to them. <laughs> Yeah. Um, finally then guys for the first half of the show um, we did mention it earlier mm. League 2 is so tight it mm. really is um, Cambridge, Morecambe and Macclesfield up next for Argyle mm. I don't want to say these are winnable games because <laughs> it, I, I mean they could conceivably go and lose one, two, three of those games that's just how League 2 is isn't it I'll, I'll hand you over to our resident betting expert on, Jack, on, yeah. on this Jack if I was an expert I wouldn't be sat here I'd be sending myself <laughs> up on some island somewhere <laughs> Um, yeah, you're, you're quite right. And if our goal touch would work, no, touch would they don't were to lose all three games, you know, it'd sort of undo some of the hard work, and that's the thing of League Two football. But you're right, they are winnable games, but half time winnable games, you don't end up winning. So the Morecambe game in particular, you know, that would have been a dead rubber before. Bar Exeter, that is the game I now want us to win the most because you do against four managers. Yeah. You know, I remember when. Um, Obviously, Ian Holloway left in, in more controversial circumstances, and I remember going to Leicester away, and you wanted that win. I remember going to Stoke away when Pulis left Argyle. It's part and parcel of it. So Derek Adams coming back, that game will be interesting. Um, but yeah, the three winnable games, but they're sometimes the most dangerous. I know it's cliche, but as we said many times on this podcast, it's a cliche because it's true. Yeah, and Cambridge are another team, just so unpredictable. One minute they're fantastic, next minute they're. You just don't know. You just don't know what you're going to get from Cambridge, do you? They're yeah. they're really up and down. Morecambe had a a really poor defeat uh, at the weekend although they did have a player sent off Macclesfield um, I haven't checked up too fully recently but clearly there's a lot of issues going on off the pitch there yeah. isn't there they've lost in the FA Cup when they effectively fielded their youth team didn't they because the first team haven't been paid 
Um, I'm not quite up to speed on where that stands at the moment and what kind of mm. you know, club and, and team that Macclesfield will be putting out. Um, what's that, four days before Christmas? So, um, yeah, it's hard to believe. You know, those three matches that you mentioned, Stuart, uh, December, and once you get past yeah. Macclesfield, that's basically halfway through the season. And, um, crikey, you know, where did that all go? And you get into the new year and then... Thinking of a holiday. Well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and also thinking about how the, the, place, the race for the top seven in the second yeah. half of the season is just going to be... I mean, it, it, the way it looks now, it, there's going to be loads of teams going for loads of different positions in the, the final 10 games of the season. It's, it should make for, for some really entertaining, exciting, tense games. What, what do you put it down to? Do you think there's just a lot of good teams in League 2? Um, or do you think the standard is just a lot worse than it is in, in League 1 last year? It's a, it's a little bit difficult because I mean, there's, di- there's a definite difference between League 1 and League 2. There's, I think you certainly no, play more football in League 1 than there's, there's League 2. There's no doubt in my mind. I think when Argyle, have, it seems to me, like when Argyle have been in League 2 recently, there was always some, some quite big hitting, really strong teams. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm thinking of Lutons and Portsmouth and, and, and teams like that. And... Having seen Bradford, they're, they're not bad. I wouldn't rule Bradford out of finishing in the top three, but I can't see them running away with it or, or doing anything like that. Um, Bradford and Argyle are really the two biggest teams, in inverted commas, Swindon as well. Uh, there's, there's, I just can't see anyone running away with the, with the division, no, can I you? I don't think no. there's any teams in there with a, a gigantic budget. As in, yeah. Don't get me wrong, there are some teams that clearly have much better budgets than some of the lower teams mm. but on the whole I think it's more even than perhaps like Chris said the mm. last few times I've got to be in League 2 because you always had some big hitters um, one, one thing I did notice that one fan mentioned on Twitter and it's quite interesting is that Argyle have played the top 5 all the way from home at the moment which is you know some of the big hitters Swindon, Forest Green Crew, Exeter City and Northampton mm. Argyle have played all 5 of the top 5 away yeah, from home so that's a good point I think also when you look at the top end of League 2 there are some sort of smaller clubs there Yeah, but they've just They've got that consistency of having the same group of players for a while and they're just well-run clubs. Mm. And it's so. so tight. It just goes to show Newport were right up there. They're now down to 11th. They've got, yeah. they've got a game or two in hand. But mm. a couple of wins. I know you always say well, it. But Newport were won that room my accumulator at the weekend so they lost at home to Oldham. Yes. Which sort of sums up which not, many people, which not many people would no, have predicted exactly. with that. But I, don't, I, I, I think that though this season it might end up petering out between almost two halves of the table. It wouldn't surprise me actually if you saw 12th and 13th having ended up with a 9-point or 10-point gap at some point. Yeah, but the gap now is only a point at the moment. But yeah, I, I see what you mean. There's a gap is. between the playoffs, for example. The, the Bradford and Seventh have got 30 points. And if you go down to Mansfield in 15th, they've got 21. So there's already a nine-point gap there. Mm. So that could stretch. But then Mansfield are one of the teams that tip to do quite well. Scunthorpe yeah. on a bit better form at the moment. Anything can change. Mm. Well, welcome back to the second half of the podcast. Um, staying in League One and talking about that in a more sort of generic way... Um, you know, we know how tight the league is. I think January is going to be such a massive month in terms of recruitment. Whoever recruits really, really well in January, it's probably a simple thing to say, but I think they will go on and, and win promotion. There'll, there'll be a fair few teams that will be looking in January thinking, if we sign some good players, we've got a chance to get promoted. And I think sometimes that's not always the case. And like you, like you said earlier on, the top three spots are still up for grabs. You know, in some previous years, you've had, you sort of guessed, no, who's going to finish sort of first and second. And they've been battling for the title and then it's been the ones underneath that. So, yeah. I, I, I also think it's not so much down to who signs. I think it's what clubs lose certain players as well. Yeah. I mean, we talk, we spoke about... Um, Owen Doyle at Swindon earlier this season. I mean, yeah. that is just such a strange situation. You know, you've got Bradford, who are, where are they? Fifth in the league now? Seventh? Seventh. Seventh. 
you know, and they're, they're, they're sent a guy out on loan to Swindon who's the top scorer, not just in League Two, but in the whole of England. And, you know, and Swindon could be a team that deny Bradford automatic promotion exactly. or a playoff place this season. It's, it's That's going to be an interesting story, I think, in so January. I think the lower down the leagues you go, you're, you're right, Stu, that the players, it's whether you keep your best players is, is how important it is rather than necessarily adding to players, yeah. uh, adding new players. And... Um, because when you're in League Two, you've always got the possibility of a Championship club or a League One club coming and, and getting a one of your best player for a relatively cheap fee for them. But then you find it very difficult to to replace that player in January. Mm-hmm. So Argyle-wise, you know, you look at the squad. There's obviously a little bit of time before we get to January. Things can change with injuries and what have you. But you know, goalkeeper looks fairly settled to me. The wing back positions look fairly settled to me. Uh, the central midfield looks fairly settled. There's lots of options up front. Um, would you like a, a a striker that could get you more goals? Yes, you would. Everybody's looking for one of those though in January, aren't they? So they're they're not easy to find. Which is where I I, I go back to, you know, central defence. I think is an area that that would be high on my shopping list of of getting somebody. But as it stands at the moment, I've got a fairly injury free. You can't carry too big a squad, one, for financial reasons, two, you don't want players hanging around that know they've got no chance of, of playing. It's finding that balance of having a workable squad that gives you plenty of options but doesn't have players that are out on the fringes and never playing. Um, so if, if you assume that Argyle aren't going to lose many players in January uh, because other clubs are going to come and take them, and I don't foresee that really happening, that... I would have thought maybe one or two additions in January, but they could be the they could just be that little difference that just gets you over the yeah. over the hump and makes a difference between finishing outside the playoffs and in, or maybe finishing in the top three rather than in the playoffs. It's just one or two players that I think could make from an Argyle perspective anyway. And maybe this is why it's beneficial that Argyle are sharing the goals because there's not a star man at the moment. So perhaps if we had an Owen Door that's got sixteen goals, a club would be coming in from in January at the moment. Who are you going to pick? Well, there's not a star man. They're playing quite well as a team, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the current Argyle squad, and we're not trying to sell Argyle's players up from under them, <laughs> quite low, but, yeah, um, there isn't an obvious player no. that a, a higher division club would, you know, come and pluck him away and, and make you an offer you you couldn't say no to. Not, I, I don't think so. Do you? Really? There's some that have obviously got big names like Danny Mayer, yeah. for example. But yeah. in terms of how they played this season, I think it's quite a level playing field. Mm-hmm. So. You know, if you're looking for a striker, for example, you're not going to come in for Don for Joel Grant or Byron Moore. You're going to go for Owen Doyle, for example. Mm. If you're looking for a midfielder, I'm sure there's other ones you you look at as well. So, yeah, and I think Argyle are in a touch wood, in a fairly safe position in terms yeah. of they might be able to keep the bulk, if not all, of their squad. Yeah, and the fact that those many of those players you mentioned have only just signed for the yeah. club as well, it's mm. even more likely that even Sarsvik, like I said, he's played superbly, but I'm not sure that you know, I don't think the AGS people. Right now. Would someone want him necessarily? You know, mm. I don't know. Possibly not, and that's not anything against him, but it's good for Argo. And if they can keep mm. their team, like and as Chris said, others that they're battling for promotion with lose some of their best players, and that will leave Argo in maybe a good position without strengthening too much. It's, there is sometimes a, a to be a case to be said for just going under the radar a little bit and not being right at the top, not getting all the headlines and things like that. And, uh, you know, Ryan Lowe said in his press conference afterwards to, to a question, well, I don't want to get up there too soon. And um, I think, you know, there is, don't you, don't you think, Stu, sometimes, I mean, some teams handle it. Argyle did very well the, the season they got promoted under Derek Adams. They were top virtually, all, you know, the top three all season, weren't they? And they handled it. But 
there is a, a case to be said for for just you know yeah. ticking along, and then January, February, March, then then make make your move, and uh, uh, so it'd be interesting to see how it pans out. But there, there is def- an argument for that. There are definitely some fringe players that probably need to move. Yeah. Like Tafari yes. Moore, I feel like his career stagnated. He's not going to play for Argyle again, and I'm sure he'll be wanting to leave to try and find a club. You know, I hope he finds some somewhere. And you've got to look at the likes of Zach Rudder. Maybe mm-hmm. he's not been playing much recently. He showed. Very small glimpses that he's got something, but maybe he'll go. So it depends what happens with the loan moves. Yeah, you know? you've got George Cooper's loan, you've got Zach Rudden's loan, uh, you've got Tafari Moore. So there is scope for possibly players leaving. Jo- Jose Baxter's obviously left, you know, recently. And Clark, uh, and, Billy Clark. Billy Clark's uh, another one, you know, we're not quite sure what's going to happen. So if they go, for example, then you think, yes, yes they're going to need yeah. a striker. Because if Billy Clark and Zach Rudden go, that's well, two Alex Fletcher as well, you know, he's, he's Alex not Fletcher's another one. No, so. exactly. So. Uh, you know you need to go and get games. Luke Jeffcott's doing quite well at Truro and playing regularly. Cardi Lollis has gone to Dorchester and scored a, a couple of goals for them already. Are they are they up until January? Those two. Mm, yeah. And there's no point in them coming back and they're not no. going to play. They might as well stay and keep playing football and then reassess next summer. Absolutely. Yeah. So defender for you, Chris. I Anywhere think defender. T- defender. Um, And maybe Possibly. a striker, depending on what happens. Yeah, with the likes of maybe a striker. I just think it's so difficult. It's going to be so difficult to find a striker. Yeah, I, I think Jack's probably right. If you think that at least one of Zach Rudden and Billy Clark won't be at Argyle beyond January, which is likely, mm. if at least one of them's not there, then you would bring somebody else in to try and get you up to the five, six strikers again, and then you can leave Lollis and Jeffcott uh, out on loan, getting games for for their, for Truro and Dorchester and. Uh, continue their development but and you've got um, strikers that you feel that you can work with in the, in the first team so I suppose yeah central defender and assuming that one of Rudder and, and Clark go then a, another striker and, and maybe if a central midfielder if Cooper goes because at the mm. moment if he doesn't get games I can't see him staying past January but then maybe there's an opportunity for Adam Randall to come in and yeah maybe, maybe yeah I mean it's worth noting that he is consistently in the squad he's not playing many games and I'm sure he'd love to be playing games but that does tell you something that some players come in and out off the bench and yeah. things like that. But every game, Adam Randall's on the bench, and to me that says a lot about what Ryan Lowe and the coaching staff think of him. Because he's not gone out on loan, so he's that... not gone out on loan, and he's always on the bench. Mm. Players come and go off the bench and and things like that, but he's always there. So you know, keep an eye open for him. He's someone that that they clearly have got you know good thoughts of and. This season, he's already played a fair, a reasonable amount of games in his first, you know, his yeah. first year as a pro. Remember, but uh, maybe he's one that next season we'll be talking about um, a little bit more. And again, he's emerged from sort of nowhere because at pre-season, I don't think anyone would have really thought he'd be no. definitely not leading a team out as a captain. No. So, and, and that's the thing, Ryan had put him as captain in pre-season, so that again shows that he thinks a lot of him. And certainly losing Sangster as well, of course. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, it's probably is slightly yeah. a weak area. Yeah. As we say, though, uh, away from the league now after a, a, mm. a good sort of recovery from Argyle and into the FA Cup against Bristol Rovers. No points. No points. No points this week, Jack, no. <laughs> but a place in round three, should they win? Well, we were talking about what Chris could do on a Saturday. And it's the final of Celebrity X Factor this Saturday, Chris. So you can Is watch it? that, maybe. Because you're going to have a rare Saturday off. Celebrity what? X Factor. <laughs> Never really. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Jones has just gone out though, so there's no footballers in that one. Right. I'll have to stick to why I'm a celebrity. Okay, I'll have to take your word on that one, Jack. But yeah, I, can't, I am looking forward to the cup. It is a nice break from the league, especially in the second round, because 
there's potentially huge prize at stake, isn't there? In the third You've round got your ticket, haven't you? I've got my ticket. Yeah. Got my ticket. Tweeting away about it. Can't, can't wait to go up on it. It'd be weird to go up on a Sunday. I can't remember the last time I got paid on a Sunday. Oh, fucky. You could have. Oh, well, end, end of season, wasn't there? The did, did he play a Sunday game? Sunday? Gillingham away last game of the season. That was two years. Was that two years ago? Mm. That was two years ago. That was two years ago. Sure, that was on a Sunday. Yeah. I can't remember. It, all, it was two years ago because I wasn't that. I didn't go mm. to the end one. Yeah, it all blurs into one. Yeah. Two o'clock kickoff. More importantly, just yeah. just worth, yeah. worth bearing in mind. So um, and you... even that though is a little bit of money for our girl. I think clubs mm. get twelve and a half pounds. Twelve and a half, don't they? So. Yeah, they did. They, they they do. So it's a little because. Um, it's, it'll be sort of featuring in that that uh, BBC final score programme where they have like about eight games and then when there's a goal they, they go straight to the ground and, and capture it so that's why um, Argyle are playing on Sunday this time yeah it's it's interesting we played Bristol Rovers three times in 2019 but all of those have been at home park so it's um, different to go out to the Memorial Stadium there's loads of connections as we know I'll go chat podcast friends, Graham Coughlin and Martin Starnes, uh, manager yeah. and um, chief executive at Rovers. So it'd be good to um, to catch up with them. Of course, the league is a priority. Everyone knows that. Everyone says says that. But if ever there was a season for our goal to get into the third round of the FA Cup, draw a Premier League team at home park, this is the season with the new grandstand about to open, um, with the capacity available capacity then at eighteen thousand. Um, with all the new facilities that Argyle will have on offer to, to fans and corporate people and things like that. It, it, you know, the Argyle officials must be keeping everything crossed that, that Lux shines on them. And uh, if, if, if they got a big Premier League team uh, first weekend in January, Jack, it would be amazing, wouldn't it? I mean, the grandstand, we haven't mentioned it and just quickly mentioned it in passing. And I, I think the feedback I've seen has been pretty good. I, th- I think the new the grandstand looks looks good. I like it. I like the fact that it's retained the character of the old stand, but has obviously got a lot better modern facilities. And it, I thought it looked great empty. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing it with fans in. And I'm just hoping that if Argyle and Swindon are both up near around the top of the table, that New Year's game when it's going to be fully open, the you know home park could be pretty close to eighteen thousand on New Year's Day, and it'll be a a great occasion. So. Fingers crossed that happens and it'll be um, be a good occasion. But yeah, Bristol Rovers, tough game. Tough yeah, game. They're, they're, they're doing really well, aren't they? I mean, well, I think they were, was it, I think it was maybe 3 0 up and Shrewsbury pulled it back to 3 3 and Bristol Rovers showed the character to get a late goal and win 4 3. So it won't be an easy game. There's been some great games up at that ground over the years. Mm. There's been a fair few 3 2 wins um, and, and, um, and the likes over the last few years. It's very cold if you're working in the press area, I know that, and I, but I won't be there on, on Sunday. Yeah, wait till you're on the open terrace, it's even colder. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> is that where I am? Well, I'm, I'm sat, I've got a seat. So oh, you'll be behind the goal. Oh, you behind the goal. Yeah. So I'll be all right, will I? Not yeah. into the elements. I won't need my windscreen wipers for my glasses. <laughs> so. It's like it's a typical sort of rugby stand, that little, um, mm. it's like yeah. a temporary thing, isn't it? Yeah, I think they called it a temporary one when it was put in about 10 years ago. Yeah, and it's, it's still there. It's still there, but Rovers have been really strong. I think, you know, Graham Coughlin is an Argyle legend and mm-hmm. he's done a fantastic job at Rovers he, he went in steadied the ship replaced Daryl Clark who, who'd done a good job over a number of years so that wasn't an easy person to replace he steadied the ship he got them to, to the semi-finals of the EFL trophy I'm not a big fan of the EFL trophy as you know but nonetheless <laughs> he looks good in, he looks good in his CV that he got them to a semi-final and uh 
Jacks, perhaps are you looking at the League One table? I am, actually. They're top top ten, aren't they? They're ninth, one point off the playoffs. Yeah, so I think that's a, a, a fantastic yeah. start to the season. They've got a good striker who scores a lot of goals for them. Liam Serkham in midfield, former Exeter player, is always fired up to play against yeah. Argyle. Um, More importantly, they're, they're um, 15 points off the relegation zone. And where they were last season, I mean, that's, yeah, that's no, remarkable. They've made big progress. Well, so. Something else worth pointing out as well, I remember speaking to um, our, our colleagues up in the Bristol area. Uh, at the time, Argyle were looking for a new manager because, of course, Coco was one of the favourites mm. for the job at the time. And they were pretty sure that had he been offered the job, he, he would have taken it because the Rovers fans, mm. although we, we spoke about the good job that he did towards the end of last season, mm. they really didn't warm to him mm. too much. But the, the funny thing is, though, you know, he, he went in last season, and I won't go into this too long because it's Argyle chat, not Bristol Rovers chat, but, you know, he went in last season and he had a job to do. He had to try and keep them up. You're not going to be playing mm. fanciful football in that scenario. And the fact is he's pushed them on now. They're now one point outside the playoffs and they scored, like I said, four goals away from home on Saturday. They're obviously not doing a bad job. I think he made some big calls on on player contracts as mm. well over the summer and allowed a couple of um, sort of crowd favourite fan favourites to leave Bristol Rovers and I think that's where a little bit of the I think when questions you're some, were coming from. Yeah, I think when you're somebody like Graham Copland who hadn't had a, a manager's job before, you've got you sometimes and it, and you're not necessarily a household name. You have to prove to the fans that you know what you're doing, and by doing what he did over the summer, like you said, and then getting them to ninth one point outside the players. You know, anybody objectively looking at that, saying Bristol Rovers near the midway point of the season, a point outside the playoffs, from where they were when Graham Copland took over roughly this time last year. Not quite the same, but you know, not yeah. not a million miles away. That's that's a big improvement. Yeah, fair play to him, it's his first job in management and he's and he's storming it at the moment. So it's it, having talked them up, that's a it is gonna be a tough game for Argyle. But if you can't be confident after being on the run that Argyle have been on and you can go there it's not so much people say is there pressure on it or not you want to win every game but it's not the end of the world if they don't win so they can go out there play with a bit of freedom and um, you know hopefully get a good result and then we, we can all get excited about a you know, the possibility of a third round draw. It's a good test as well because you yeah. know, Ryan Lowe undoubtedly wants Argyle to be in League One and if they yeah. can hold their own against a League One team at ninth in the table then it's, yeah. it's a good sign isn't it mm. so yes. Good yardstick, really. Ben Hopkins not going to want to lose that either, is he? No, no. he's not. And Ro- Rovers have want to win it for their own reasons. They want to get to the third round and get that plump every, title. So. Every club in League One and League Two is thinking <clears> the same thing when yeah, you're in the second course. round, isn't it? Please let us get through and then draw a nice big team that will make us a real, yeah. a real payday at home, live on the TV. Then you can make some serious amount of money, which comes just the right time with the January transfer window wide open, and that could make a difference. Could Absolutely, not wanting a draw though. No, I mean, we have enough games in the season anyway. I mean, yeah, uh, it'd be nice to get it over and done in one yeah. I'm sure, ev- I'm sure everyone would say that. I'm sure yeah. Ryan Lowe would say that. You don't, uh, I can't imagine, for example, that Argyle are going up there hoping for a replay. They'll want to get the game over and done with on the Sunday and hopefully get through to round three. And the draws on Monday night, is it? It yes. is, yes. But we'll be recording the next podcast before then, of course. Yes. So hopefully with Ryan Lowe as hopefully, well. Hopefully, yeah, fingers crossed. Chaps, thanks ever so much for your company as always. That's thank all you we have time for this week. And a big thank you to you out there for listening as well. We'll be back with more of the same next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. We are always happy to hear from you. And if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account at Herald PAFC or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.